All right, we just pray that each of us would just experience the peace of God this morning, find inspiration on the inside to um, just draw from, to discuss from, to help each other just feel closer to one another and closer to you. In uh, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Close your eyes for just a few moments here. And I want you to imagine this, the idea that God is love. Like, what, is that, what does that do in your mind? Like, what does that look like? And as you're thinking about that, I want you to think about the spirit, the energy, the force behind this love is living on the inside of each and every one of us. But especially you right now, not even the connectivity between all of us, but inside of you, this same life force, power, the spirit of God that's inspiring us and animating us, that's inside us this very moment. I've found these times lately that, well, and always, when there's just moments in life when you need extra direction. I mean, we always need direction in every moment, and you can totally open your eyes now if you want to, too, <laughs> unless you want to stay in the zone. Sorry, I should have. Horrible leader. Just walk off the cliff. You're fine. Trust me. The coffee is really delicious this morning. Make sure everyone takes it, and I'm just kidding. Um, it is. It's cold again. I didn't think it would be this, but maybe it's all right. So it tastes all right. Um, yeah, there's these moments when, I mean, we're, we're always tapping into direction or inspiration, or can. If we have the, the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, if this really connects us and there's something going on there, we can find this direction at all times. But I find these moments when you need more than that. You find that whether your thoughts in your brain about what's going on next or maybe input from those around you, or maybe there's just too many good options that you have to choose from. These moments where we need, uh, we need to listen and find direction. And so there's such an amazing opportunity to get quiet and listen to the spirit that's on the inside of us. I just think we're really bad at it. Uh, I think we're impatient because we like answers right away. We uh, maybe are panicking, maybe are wanting, needing an answer fast, and we don't take the time to just get quiet and to listen and to trust. Uh, and as I say this, I, I find myself in the same boat, though. Like, I've, I, I, I do this probably fairly regularly, but then by the time I actually do it most times, I'm like, okay, this, I waited probably. I could have done this two weeks ago and been all right. So I've had these moments lately of just finding quiet, uh, and mentors before me have, have given some parameters that I'd love to throw out as an example today as ways to tap into listening to the Holy Spirit. Finding a moment where you can carve away an hour of quiet time. Most of us can find five minutes or three minutes, but the stuff that comes and the waiting and the way that it seemed to work or the way that it seemed to, I find direction, it seems to come towards the end of this freaking hour, which, you know, is why it works like that, but it's a really, it can be a really peaceful experience towards the end. And so I find myself finding a way to carve out some time to be alone, whether it's putting good music on or just being 
in the yard where it's quieter or something, and then asking questions. Usually there's a big one and there's some smaller ones that go with it, and then just listening. And I keep a journal with me in case I want to write some thoughts that come, but I just keep listening and thinking about that question and trusting that the answer is on the inside and that there's direction. And maybe the direction it's giving is like just choose whatever path you want, but at least there's this piece to like what do you want. But maybe it's even helping me to, to tap into what do I want from those three. So maybe it's not this divine urge that this is the only way you can go, but maybe this is what Luke needs right now. There's something great about the scriptures that almost make it seem like our spirit is fused with this Holy Spirit. It's not just in us and can leave at times and come and go, but now it's been like fused to ours. So how do you separate that? There's this intertwining, this tangling, this something going on between the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us and then us. And do we really go into these places? Do we, as, as followers of Jesus, as people who live by the Spirit, do we, do we take these opportunities and moments to get quiet and to find these answers? Some of you have taken some career changes lately or some big things. I'd be interested in a discussion to find out uh, if these moments of silence or waiting to listen is part of it. Because prayer is one thing, but usually when people talk about prayer, they're talking about running their mouth and saying everything that is going on that they're freaked out about, which has its place. I mean, a big part of this journey and finding answers for me is making sure I'm journaling every day. Like, I just empty my head onto paper. It's, for me, it's almost like a prayer to God because I end it with an amen, and it's just everything that I'm thinking, everything that I'm feeling, I just try to get it out in the morning, just dump on a page. And then it's like you feel lighter. You're like, okay, that's not getting in the way. And actually, I, I usually actually do start with that before going into the silence because sometimes you just got to get the thoughts out first. Just get all that crap out on paper, and then I can be quiet and listen, be like, what, what is the question right now? What is the direction I need? Where is the answer that I'm looking for? And then you can go inside and find that silence. And I don't know if anyone can relate to that if you've done it or you need it. So either you're needing direction or you've practiced this some in the past, or maybe it's just resonating right now as something that you're needing at the moment because of where you're going. But this is what I want to talk about a little bit today. In 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13, it says, We didn't receive the spirit of a broken world, but a spirit that comes from God, that we may experience and comprehend the gifts that come from God. We don't speak these gifts in words shaped by human wisdom. We speak words crafted by the spirit because our collective judgment on spiritual matters is accessible to those who have the spirit. And in John 16, 13 through 15, the spirit of truth will come and guide you into all truth. He doesn't speak his own words to you. He speaks what he hears and reveals the things that come and bring glory to God. The spirit has unlimited access to me and all that I possess and know, just as everything the father has is mine. This is the reason I am confident that he will care for my own and reveal the path to you. And I guess this revealing the path to you is something I'm thinking about a lot today. This is better that I go away so that my Holy Spirit can come and reside inside of every single person. He's confident that he'll reveal spiritual things, gifts, talents, inspirations, and a path. He's confident, he trusts that this Spirit is doing something. The question is, as followers of Jesus, do we trust that same Spirit? Do we really trust the Spirit of God, or do we need all this outside influence. This is Jesus, the words of Jesus. Not, I mean, it is retold by someone else, but whatever. This is the inspiration they remember him saying at this moment is this, 
I've got confidence in this. Like, I'm trusting, like, this is, this is the way to go. There's parts where he says that you don't even need the scriptures anymore. They were like a tutor to bring us to this place. But now that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it will reveal everything and teach you everything you need to know. It's called the comforter, the guider, the, the, this still small voice of God. There's something that he's doing on the inside of us. If you read some really cool old writings of followers of Jesus, they talk about uh, those who've passed away before us. If we were already connected and fused with the Spirit of God, when we die, we become unfused then, or we continually are fused. And so the Spirit that resides on the inside of us still has connected and fused to it the spirits of all our relatives, all those who walk before us, maybe teachers or guides or people who, like, they're still connected to the Spirit. They're still fused to the same energy that runs inside of us. And so this wisdom, this divine voice, this, this God's energy, it's, it's, it's not even just God, but it's those who've gone before us that are with us, guiding, leading. But now they're, they see everything, and so it's not this misguided, Shira lived her life and she was pissed at vegetarians, and now all of a sudden there's just something on the inside of you that's like, I'm pissed at vegetarians. Oh, it's the spirit of Shira after she died. It's still on. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's this collective of love. You know, something different. I mean, you can get some weird spots if you talk about this guy. And who knows? Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe there is a little don't like vegans from some ancestor we shared that was weird along the days. I don't know. Um, but where does this take us and what does this go? Uh, how do we apply this and what does it mean if we're followers of Jesus? If, there's, if we really listen to what he says, it's better that I go. So instead of having Jesus in our midst right now, Luke shutting up and Jesus himself sharing with us right now. He says, it's better that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of each of us, inspiring one of us to share, others to share during discussion, inspiring us to listen differently as we're doing it. He's like, it's better this way. Do we really trust that? Or there's still this little bit inside that we're like, ah, I'd rather have Jesus in front of me right now. Because most of the time I think I'm probably in the, I'd rather have Jesus in front of me right now. And so it's rewiring my brain to be like, but, but this same image of God is saying this isn't what's best and I need to just retell myself over and over and over again that this is where it's happening and this is what's going on and this is what's good and this is what's connecting and what's beautiful. Um, I think too many times we'll be like, well, you can find the answers in scriptures and you're like, well, maybe for a few things, but not for everything. And I think, again, it's this dangerous place of, I think the American church has put the holy scriptures as like part of the divine image instead of being God revealed through Jesus, God revealed through the Holy Spirit, and God revealed through this God the Father image. These three visualizations and images of God give us a collective of who God is. We say, well, it's actually the Bible and what it says about the first two, and then the Holy Spirit, you have to be, it's, you got to be careful with that one. You got to be, and so we we seem to take what should be the most important piece, the piece that lives in us, that's supposedly guiding us and showing us the path, and we, we make it dangerous. And we're like, well, let's just make sure we do this other one first. Uh, and it's led us to some interesting places throughout time. Uh, one of the things I've gone inside then, and I guess I'll be a little vulnerable about, uh, is I think I have slowly lost Christianity over the last six months completely. Uh, I no longer can consider myself a Christian. I am a non-Christian follower of Jesus who at moments finds myself even anti-Christian. 
because the last 10 years of my life have been trying to redeem something, to redeem a title, a title that's changed throughout the last several thousand years. And it, to me personally, I'm not making statements for the church. It's just, and you have to take it or leave it whether you want someone teaching that has completely uh, given up on at least a title and framework that we've turned uh, followers of Jesus into. Uh, it just seems so backwards. It seems so manipulated by money and power and not even, I mean, it is by like political power and things, but I'm just talking even like the sphere of influence to keep the people teaching as the ones who have the only voice, not empowering the followers of Jesus to be the church, which is the only mandate of someone who's considered to be a pastor is to equip the saints to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It seems like we want to hold them down and make it feel like you've got to look like me to do things. It just seems so backwards. It has given me the worst taste in my mouth, like where I'm just like, I just can't associate with this anymore. And then I'm like, is this horrible? What am I doing? And so I have to find these many moments of going into this quiet place to be like, uh, we've built a religion around, uh, around Jesus, but it's, I don't know. There seems to be, like, a, I think in my brain for so long, I'm like, it's 50-50. There's amazing, and then there's not, and we can redeem it, and now it seems like it's 95-5. And maybe it's 51-49. But I don't want to be in a majority that takes things the wrong direction. Uh, there's so many amazing surveys that are coming out to really get a grasp on. There's so many facets of what you would call Christianity, whether it's the 15 different forms of Lutheranism you can find out there. or I mean, there's just, there's a split everywhere you can find it over one little thing. But then you start getting down to some of the things that I would consider important. If God is love, uh, I don't think we know what afterlife looks like. But I can tell you for one thing that I know in my core, and it's perspective, there is no way there is some fiery pit that God is going to eternally burn someone who did not say a prayer right, which the, the prayer of salvation isn't even in the scriptures and has become our leading, guiding voice. Like, this, you, you, it doesn't equal. I love math, and 2 plus 2 is 4, not 666. Like, it's, it just is, like, it doesn't seem to jive of God is love, but that's what love is, they'll tell you. Just, we just don't understand God that much, and we just, this is who he is. And I go inside and listen to my spirit, and this still small loving voice that's like, Duke, don't freak out right now. Like, it's, what does that point to? Why do we do that? Why do we try to scare people into saying a prayer to, okay, I didn't want to make this all about this. But I'm in a weird spot about uh, Christianity, even more excited about Jesus. But, man, uh, the other stuff makes me nauseous to the point of actually physically vomiting at times because it's, it's so gross and disgusting. I think I've gone through a phase of like, I was really pissed at God for a little bit by how you could let this happen, but then my concept of God isn't a puppet maker, so he doesn't pull strings. And so it really comes down to, how can you let this still happen, Luke, really? And so it was like, shit, I'm, I feel like I'm fueling something that's headed in the wrong direction. Uh, at times, and so I've had to strip myself of that title because I don't want it to be anti-Christian follower of Jesus. I want it to stay non-Christian follower of Jesus, and I think I've got to put a little distance for myself there for that. Um, but this is hard. This is hard to figure out 
what works and how you go forward. So there's tons of these moments of like, okay, I just need to get quiet again. Just listen. We've got an amazing elder team at the community that uh, is like, you should have been talking about this the last few months. People would have understood. You don't have to. But the thing that's been, I, don't, I think Mark shared a little bit last week. I've had some crazy anxiety over the last few months. And a lot of it is because I have this fear of hurting someone, of hurting you guys in some way. That if I change how I think or how I want to label myself, uh, even though I know many of us are struggling with the same stuff and it's come up in discussion that for some reason someone's going to get hurt. Someone has got kids and they don't want their kids to be like, yeah, Luke is in a weird spot. Let's just stay away from him right now. Uh, and I don't want that. We've got some amazing overseers that have been fantastic at giving advice and walking through and talking about uh, changes to make and things like that. And I probably will speak a little bit less over the next few weeks. We had two people, like last week Mark taught and Keenan did an emergency teaching for me the week before when I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this Sunday for some reason. I was really excited about today up until like today. And then I was like, oh, can I do this? Like, all right. Uh, I, I said to one um, mentor, I'm like, it feels like I'm coming out. And he's like, interesting like terminology you're using. Because he's like, how does that relate? That you're scared of people's reactions. You're scared of, uh, it's interesting that that's the term we've had to use for the LGBTQ community in our, it's just such a uh, emotional, vulnerable place that you, you tend to come out. Because you, you read about ministers that, there's a fantastic on-being episode uh, about Carlton Pierce. He's a Christian minister, a little bit more, um, would you say, uh, charismatic than our community might find. Yet he changed his view only on hell. He didn't renounce the term Christianity and say that maybe this is going in the wrong direction and we don't want to take up this title anymore. It's just like God can't be hell. And instantly, his church went from 20,000 people to 700, and then not too much longer, was non-existent. His mentors that won't even speak to him, won't even like take a phone call to be like, here's what's going on. And uh, there's a minister who's a mentor of mine, an amazing pastor from St. Paul, um, who just passed away this last week at 60. He was still the senior pastor of his church, Reggie. Uh, I couldn't even go to the funeral. Like, I just couldn't even listen to another message of how we're so thankful that Reggie's in heaven, but if anyone else didn't ask Jesus in their heart yet, you're going to burn forever, because that's exactly how the minister who was officiating would say it. Uh, because I didn't want to let my last image of this amazing follower of Jesus be tainted by something like that. Like, I, I only know the good things. I only know the excitement, the, the wisdom, the kind words, the hugs. Uh, but then I'm like, I don't want to die at 60 either, so I can't hold on to this kind of stuff on the inside and let it go. Um, there's another minister in St. Paul who just stepped down a couple months ago because his church wanted him to get a little more firm on certain stances, and he's like, there's I haven't been that way the whole time I've been pastor here, and I'm not comfortable with that. And they're like, well, you either need to switch now or step down. And he handed his resignation in right then. He's, he's a UPS box man right now, and he's like, Luke, it's amazing. He's like, they wanted to make me a manager. They're like, you've got a 
a master's in theology. Like, let's make you a manager. He's like, I don't want to manage anything. He's like, let me be the man holding the box, putting the box here, just box, box, box. Can we just do that for a while? He's like, it's, it's like I can't tell you how beautiful and reassuring that is. Uh, but he told me even the way he listens to God has changed because of just getting out of certain contexts and opening his mind to more. Uh, he Maybe he'll even join us. Who knows? We'll see because he's having trouble finding a community to belong to after something like that then. And that just seems devastating to me that we have someone that dedicated their life, it's time to move on, and doesn't know where they'll be able to find community because of what's going on around us. But we're talking about following the Holy Spirit. There's something on the inside of us that's leading and guiding us and showing us a way that we can be somewhat better. We can show a different image of this love. We can show a different image of what humanity can look like, of what community can look like, of what sharing and doing things. And so uh, I don't know what kind of direction you need right now. Or maybe it's even just prayers about the church, whether it's what you can help our little community here or, uh, yeah, I don't know. The pastor in me wants to even be like, if it's the right community for you, if, uh, if what I say is offensive, I don't mean to offend at all. Maybe it's just what you need to be like, I'm looking for something else. Not that we want that or need it, but uh, we don't try to hold on to everyone with tight fists, with open fists, with a hug and embrace, and when it's time to go, it's time to go, and you give a big hug and cry just a little bit and have some cake and we send you to what you're doing next. But and I think we got little bloomies all over this country now that have moved away or gone somewhere else that are spreading our infectious little message of love to wherever they go. I do really love that our logo is a dandelion seed. Uh, it's really hard to actually kill the dandelions in my yard because I just start to see them and I'm like, this is so... Like these little rascals get into anywhere and all of a sudden start sprouting up this flower. Yeah, and we and this stuff either. <laughs> There's a, I read, when I was on sabbatical, I read a book, Pieces Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh. And there's this poem, I, don't even, I think it's a friend of his at the beginning, and it's held me so many times I get depressed. It says that I have, I've, I've had to set down my smile, but the dandelion is holding it for me. And that gives me hope for tomorrow. And it's just like this, it's, there's still this beautiful flower that's even a weed that is just waiting to grab it back again and to hold it as we run and figure out what's next and how it looks and uh, where we go from there. Uh, but for each and every one of us, it's those, do we take the time to do that? Are we willing to give an hour to something? Or an hour seems crazy. We won't even give an hour to a new show. We give it like 10 minutes. We're like, I'm not into this. Like, forget it. I'll try a new one. And then if it is good, we'll give like 14 hours straight. And you're like, I didn't sleep last night. I got to go to work right now. Like, shoot. They're getting way too good at the cliffhangers at the end of episodes. I feel like I need to end an episode like about three quarters of the way in is the time when you're like, this is where you stop and you pick it up again. Because if you go to the very end, they will have you for another episode. So they get you wrapped into that. Maybe I gotta, we got to figure out how to do that on Sundays more. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, just start to talk about next week's, like, conversation. And then be like, I'm not saying anything else. Like, you better show up. Like, here we go. But, yeah, and if you're not comfortable with trusting 
that God's spirit's on the inside of you? Like, what questions does that bring up? What questions do you need to ask yourself? What questions do you need to ask someone sitting next to you? It's okay to wrestle, to doubt. To, that's part of faith is to, to go into the doubt, not to run away from it. You don't put it, I was always told to put it on a shelf. Just bury it on the shelf. You got some doubt or some question. Someday it might just reveal itself to you. And if not, it just was on the shelf. And I think that's the wrong answer. I think that's like, like burying your emotions. It's like someone who's getting depressed or anxious to say like, no, don't figure out what's causing it. Just try to medicate it away or something else. No, I want to go into that. Why do I feel this way right now? Why do I, why do I think that? What's the next question with that one? Um, yeah, there's something beautiful there. You don't run. Um, but you figure it out, and you figure out what's causing this, and why is that, and okay, that's a big thing, and I didn't want to ask that question. I didn't want to go there quite yet. I didn't want to say that sentence quite this soon. Um, but what is it that you need to go into? What is it that you're afraid of for tomorrow, or maybe that you're missing from yesterday? That why? What was, what's beautiful about it that you can still find? Can you just remember the amazingness, or is there something more? Or maybe it's just a direction. This, uh, Jesus, we get this beautiful example of this death and resurrection. And we've been talking a lot about this through maybe the Lenten season we were, that maybe images of God die away, images of what Christianity looked like die, and something beautiful is resurrected, something more pure, something more inviting comes of that. But maybe even it's ideas of what you thought the future would look like, what your job would look like, what your family would look like, what society would look like where we're at right now. And you're like, okay, I've just got to let this. And you can mourn, and it's okay to mourn. To not bury the feelings, but to go into them and be like, I can be sad that I'm letting go of, for me personally, it's the term Christianity. I've cried over this, like just letting it go, being like, this is something I protected my whole life. This is a lens I looked at through God. Yet even amongst that, it was this being, a, it was the life of Jesus that was so much more inspiring. It's like 70% of our book is Old Testament to give us the mess that came before, which is great. There's fantastic stuff in there. But if you're treating it exactly the same as the revelation that Jesus brings, you're going to be confused. It's going to mess with you. You're going to kill how many Jews in fires thinking that you're making an Aryan race. I mean, it just leads people to some interesting choices. Um, but I'm interested to see where discussion takes us. I have no idea how long I talked for, and I don't really care. Because uh, I don't have a lot else to say. Other than, I, I'm sure some good stuff will come out on how we do this, how we go in and listen. And it should it just be for you or just for your family unit or friends or, or should you be doing it for a community as well? If we're a cooperative, if it's us together, if it's me empowering us or our elder team empowering us to be these images of Jesus, to be what we call church or community, then shouldn't we all be going at these times? And maybe it's not like every day or even weekly, but at these moments, if you're thinking about something that should be, that you're inspired that something should change at Bloom or wondering why something's the way, have you gone just on your own inside and quieted down and find something? And then find someone to be like, hey, I prayed about this. I listened. I asked these questions. I had these ideas come up. How do we do this? What does this look like? And it's a we, um, not just a me. Jesus, we just ask that you help us as we d discuss. Just inspire each of us just to be ourselves, just to be open and honest and to talk about what's going on and what's worked for us and what's been hard and just help through discussion each person feel empowered and to have a voice. 
and to bring us to that place of just understanding where someone shines a little light on what's going on and we just we learn a little more right now we pray right now amen